Good Tuesday evening. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. And me and Phil will be here talking about what y'all wants us to go over this evening, and we'll be back with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, good evening, all. Phil, good evening. How was your day? Did you have a good day today? I did. It was a good day. Just traveling around from here to there, taking care of maintenance issues that come up. And, of course, there's no maintenance issues in faith whatsoever, so that's tongue-in-cheek. But, Phil, this evening we've got something that's a very interesting topic, and this came to me this afternoon had something in mind and then all of a sudden this came to mind and it kept coming back over and over and it's like this is a really good truth to talk about and it's one of those as things with the bible that are debated and talked about and people have their opinions on it but we're not here to state opinion and yes we will have opinion on things we are here to speak the truth of god and speak it boldly as we should by the power of mother within because the truth stands on its own and the truth is in the word. The word of God is truth. So we're going to be talking about this evening and I'll explain how this, as as we're even going over this, how this came to mind was a member of our gathering had sent us a video on Melchizedek and we're not going to be talking about Melchizedek specifically tonight. But the topic of who is Melchizedek, what was it all about, all these kind of things. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I didn't actually watch the video, but you had watched it and said it was about eight or nine minutes long. And it took about eight minutes of the conversation was, well, we think it's this. We think Melchizedek is this. We think it's by this lineage. It's this. It's that. And never once did it say this is who Melchizedek is, what it's all about. It's well, nobody really knows. So we'll just speak on it for a little while. And just to clarify, um, it was 11 minutes long, but the, it wasn't that what, what we think this. And at the very beginning of the video, they go into saying that nobody really knows who this Melchizedek was. Okay. They, they specifically say nobody knew or nobody knows who this is. But then they go into an explanation of where they might think it might be a slight possibility that it's this this from this person's lineage. And then at the very end, they go back to, well, nobody really knows. And so it was, I just wanted to uh, put that in there, that it, it was the fact that they said they didn't know. And then they gave an answer 
and then concluded that they didn't know. So, Well, and the difference is with what we're doing is when we're speaking by the truth of God, we will go to different places in the Word of God that will bring together different areas to bring about that truth together to give more understanding. If we don't know something, for example, if we were to say to each other, Phil, I've looked into this. Do you know who Melchizedek is? Do you know anything about it? And we would say, well, here's what I know about it. It says he's the king of righteousness, the king of Salem. He came out and came to Abraham after the defeating of the kings. He brought bread and wine. Yeshua is referred to as you're a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. But I'm not going to sit here and go, well, I have no idea who it is, but it's this, it's this. And we'll just go out and tell people all these things. The, the point is, is that if we know it, then we can speak boldly and say, this is who it is. And here is why he's who he is. Here's what he did, all those kind of things. And that's for a different time. But just the, the aspect of we're not here just to speculate and say, unless, I mean, if we don't know, we'll say, you know what, this isn't absolute truth. This is what I'm thinking it is. And just leave it alone. But to say, this is Melchizedek. And then well, I'm thinking that, no, don't, don't say that you know who it is if you don't know. Like, speak what you know, know what you speak, is what I was getting at. And if you don't know, what use is it into going into some explanation about what it could be rather than you don't know? And what's interesting is, is we don't know the fullness of it, but we know, uh, but that comes by faith. And uh, we will, we would only share that information if mother directed us to anyway. Um, but a lot of people want, do wonder about that. Well, and with that as well, and putting Melchizedek aside, let's say where we're going to be talking about this evening, the second coming of Messiah or John the Baptist, Paul, King Saul, any of these things, the, the, our focus is, we will speak what we know about it, but we're going to make sure we're not going to teach about it unless we know the truth of it. Just like if somebody were to say, tell me who Melchizedek is. Okay, well, there's a lot of detail with that, that there's information that you need to understand so that you can understand this concept, not really concept, but the person. So we're going to leave that alone for a time and come back to it later, because if we were to share something with you, you wouldn't understand it. And then therefore it's not going to make sense. And it's just going to be more, confusion. So all that meaning to say that this aspect, this topic in the word of God about Yeshua and his return is similar to that, that people will profess, this is when he's going to come back. This is how it's going to work. And is it based in the word of God, what the Bible says, or is it based on what you think it is and your interpretation of the word of God? And that's the point of talking about this this evening is that, and we haven't had this many times, but we're going to have some scripture being read and let the word of God actually state when this happens, how it happens, and let those that are listening, and as we said, those that are seeking with all their heart to, if you have something in your mind about what you think this is all about, put that aside and just take this in and just as we said before, don't believe us. Don't believe me, Sean, or Phil, just because we're saying it. Listen to what the Word of God says. Listen to the discussion on the truth of God, and you seek after it, and Yah will show you the truth of it. Because there are a lot of people, and in the aspect of this, we're going to be talking about Yeshua and his return, 
And the word of God makes it clear Yeshua himself tells you when his return will be. So there's no better source on this information than Yah themselves, Yeshua, Abba, or Mother, the Holy Spirit. So we're going to get into when Yeshua was actually asked by his disciples, when would these things happen? And he goes into very good detail and tells them when this is going to happen. And there's a couple other places in Scripture that came to mind, and Phil, you may have some come to mind for you as well, that will, because this aspect is Old Testament and New Testament, or beginning covenant, renewed covenant, and there's different places that bring together different pieces of this. And as we get into this, we'll read this. And the very first scripture that I'm going to get into is in Matthew. And it's in Matthew chapter 24. And I've got my Bible here. And we're going to go to the Word of God to have the Word of God tell us this. And then we'll have discussion on this as well as what we're reading and further explanation. And Phil, this is something that I remember many years ago hearing people teach on it. We have some people that are convinced that the Son of God, Yeshua, will return and then the tribulation happens. We have people that think that Yeshua returns in the middle of the tribulation. And we have those that believe that it occurs post tribulation. People that think that not only is there a second coming, there's a third coming, that he comes back a third time. And the point of this is, Yah does not want people that are seeking after them that want to know the truth to be in confusion because Yah makes it clear, even Yeshua himself, be careful that nobody deceives you in any way. And same thing with Paul, just be be careful to listen to what we're telling you. Don't be listening to what other people say, what other people that claim they know. Get it from the source themselves. There's no better source to get this from than God themselves. And this is in Matthew chapter 24. I'll start here at the verse 1, and it says, Yeshua left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be, will be thrown down. As Yeshua was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Yeshua answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. 
and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. So when you are stand, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be for those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or in the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to believe, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens, end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how, how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It is good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to come and eat and drink with drunkards. 
The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and on an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's Matthew 24. A lot of information in there. We're given a picture here, Yeshua himself telling his disciples, his followers, the believers in him, giving them clear, matter-of-fact truth on when this is going to happen. And speak to this of this aspect, that a lot of people think that what is referred to as the Church of Messiah, the believers, that they will be raptured and taken out before the tribulation, that you'll be taken out before any kind of tribulation comes, and that's because you are a believer in God and you're taken out. But the Word of God doesn't say that. Messiah clearly says that he's talking to his disciples, and you who follow me, you will be handed over to be put to death and beaten and persecuted. And it even saying that the stress of these days are going to be unequaled in history, and that because of the elect, which the elect are those in the fullness of faith in Messiah with circumcision of the heart, the children of God, because of the sake of the elect, those days have been cut short. So it makes no sense for those days to be cut short for the sake of the elect if the elect are taken out. So we have proof there that those that are believers in God, now those that have perished before are asleep, they're in the earth, they're not going to be there. But he's talking to his disciples, those that believe in him, to say there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, but don't go out if he, somebody says Messiah's here, Messiah's there. It's going to be a clear sign, and lightning will be in heaven, just as the east is from the west, the coming of the Son of Man. And he even said this, that the Son of Man will return in the same way he left. When he left, he was covered with a cloud, and when he returns, he's going to be coming on the clouds. There's this false teaching out there that says that, well, you're taken out and you're raptured out and you don't have to go through the tribulation. But there's another place in Scripture where it says that it calls for the perseverance of the saints going through this tribulation period. And the reason that the tribulation days were cut short was because of the elect. So Yah having mercy on the elect, but the elect are still called to persevere and endure to the end because he says that the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, meaning to the end when Messiah returns. So there's a deception out there that, well, I don't have to go through this tribulation, and that's the deception because you believe that delusion when Messiah actually returns, that you who thinking that you're going to be taken out, you're going to be the one that's left while the other person is taken, and you're going to have a, an aspect of frustration thinking that's towards other people and it's really toward God. But why? I thought I did all these things. Why am I left here? I'm supposed to be gone. I did all these things. Why am I left here? I'm supposed to be gone. And no, it's your fault because the word of God clearly says that immediately after the distress of those days, you must go through that tribulation period to then to prove, to show your genuineness and faith, we may be here, we may not be here, we may pass on before that if we're here. We're, we're called to persevere and endure to the end, because that's what Messiah said, that if you don't persevere and endure to the end, you, 
you won't be you won't be saved but people are going to be thinking that why well, accepted jesus so why should i have to go through all this tribulation well you're not entitled not to go through the the struggles and trials in life look at the people in the old testament look at the people it's mentioned in hebrews that people were sawn into they were destitute and caves and choosing to be put to death and because they were looking for a greater resurrection and those people went through those things what makes you think that you're not going to suffer he even says if they killed me they're going to kill you you're going to suffer as i did so this is all part of yah's plan but there are people out there that are convinced that no it because it says it here you see he it's you'll go through part of it you'll be taken out or no you don't have to go through it and the word of god even in that passage makes it clear that you've got to persevere and endure and even for the pregnant women going through those times it's going to be difficult so prepare yourself that if you're here that it's going to get difficult as difficulty hasn't been seen before that's why living this faith you're called to persevere and endure so you prepare yourself in your mind for these times and even as it says when you see the abomination that causes desolation run for the hills that just the beginning of birth pains all these things but it, it makes it absolutely clear that when you see that the sun goes dark that you see these things happen then the sign of the son of man will come and i'm just seeing this as people are going to be thinking that well i don't have to be any part of this i'm going to be raptured out and taken out and they're going to be left here because messiah is returning for those children that yah has given to him the children of god those that found a place of circumcision of the heart without sin so that those are the people that have their hope in him those are the ones that he is coming back for those are the ones that are waiting for his return so those are the people those that died in faith those that were living in faith those are the ones that are going to be caught up in the twinkling of an eye and as it says in, in another passage where we will all meet the lord in the air the dead in christ will rise first and then those that are left will be caught up and we will forever be with the lord and as you read it if you use logic and sensible reading the word that it says yah makes it clear but people will take this and twist it because well no it'll be it'll be here and be there and he even says that people will tell you that messiah is here go out or messiah is here go out and be careful that you're not deceived in this and as as i said don't take this as though we're telling you and you believe it i just took my bible and just read what messiah said from the words there and yah does not lie but the thing is is you've got to not be dependent on what the bible says but be dependent on mother to give you understanding on this because there's another passage in first thessalonians 4 where it talks about this and paul says as you were told don't let anybody lead you astray that this is when it's going to happen and it's clear and the angels will come and will gather Yah's elect and that's the thing is that there's so much false teaching on this and then false followers in it that just really this is being brought out to to this is just something to look into and make sure that you're following the gospel message you're seeking god with all your heart to where you figure out to where you have the fullness of faith and when messiah returns you will be a servant doing the master's work and when the master returns then he'll say well done good and faithful servant you won't be doing wickedness and then be set aside outside for weeping and gnashing of teeth when you didn't do 
what was expected of you because you did wickedness, thinking that the Lord wasn't going to come back or your master wasn't going to come back. So, Phil, those are the thoughts that I had on this so far. Any thoughts that you had on that scripture or any other scriptures that um, tie to this subject? Well, in Revelation, John asks, who are these, the ones that <clears throat> cleansed themselves and had the white robes on? And he was told, these are the ones that came out of the great tribulation. Uh, if suffering and struggle is a part of life, which it is, and suffering and struggle is a part of faith, it absolutely is, why would there be a time where just, Certain people, just because they believe, are going to have to experience suffering and struggle. And it's uh, spoken correctly because there are uh, teachers out there that are teaching a third coming of Messiah. Uh, and a pretty prominent uh, radio show, and I'm not going to name it, but a pretty prominent radio show that's... Uh, put on by uh, one of the, the fairly newer non-denominational churches, uh, they profess a, they don't call it a third return, but the way they lay it out, it's a third return. And you were re, uh, talking about this, was when they say that right before the rapture, then we're all going to be gathered up and then so saints will not have to endure the the uh, tribulation period. And nowhere in Scripture does it make any kind of inclination that Messiah is going to come. He was here once. He's going to come. Then he's going to go back, and then he's going to come again. And you brought up the angel, the angel that was with the few that were with Messiah when he ascended. And that angel said, what, what are you staring here for? For as the same way he went, so he will come. And so they're speaking to people who are believers. And so you're going to see him coming in on the clouds. And when he comes in on the clouds, this is what people don't understand, is that that's the, the ushering in of the thousand-year reign. Now, However God lays it out, is it going to be an immediate thousand-year reign? Or are there uh, a couple steps in between? I don't know. But what I do know is that there's only a second coming of Messiah, not a third. And that will be after the tribulation. Messiah will come in gather up all the elect. Uh, the angels will gather the elect, will be caught up in the air with him, and remain with him forever. There is no going and then him coming back again. And the, the thing is, is that once people see Messiah, once they see him rolling in on the clouds, okay, faith in Messiah is, is done away with. There's no ability for anybody at that point 
to then have faith in Messiah because the faith has to come by hearing, not by physical sight first. You have to uh, look at the evidence and pursue it from that perspective and believe they exist without actually seeing their physical form in perfection. (coughs) Many saw Messiah in his bodily form when he was here, but you cannot see the perfected body of any one of the parts of Yah and live. Scripture makes it clear. Why? Because that would remove faith, and the word says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so at the time Messiah returns on the clouds, faith no longer exists for uh, for for salvation. There, there's no ability because now you know it <coughs> with absolution and without fail. And because you know it, you can't have faith. And something that came to mind, just want to interject that it is impossible to have a third coming And the reason is, it's not just because, well, it just isn't. No, it's because, like you said, that once you see, because we even have this with Stephen, that Stephen, when he was being stoned and he was about at death, and he looked up and he said, look, I see the Son of Man at the right hand of God in heaven, and then he fell asleep. It makes no sense, because what reason is there to come a third time that he's already there to be seen? He's done to get the elect to rule and reign, and there's no reason for him actually to go away a third time and then come back because then he'd have to come back a fourth time. And in this, actually, in Matthew 20, go back here to Matthew 24, I just read. Because there's a statement in here where it talks about, and we had talked about this before with the only one that knows the day or the time of the end is Abba, the Father, because Yeshua even mentions it when he was talking to his disciples and he says the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So that tells you that Abba is looking and the time of Messiah's return is when there's not even one righteous person left. There's not somebody seeking with all their heart to find faith. That's the point of the tribulation. Cause see, the thing is the beauty in this is that Yah does all of this for a reason with purpose. That it's not that the tribulation is just there because, well, God just wants people to suffer. No, the tribulation is there because it, it's to prove, okay, the ones that are that profess faith in me, then you're going to be tested to the hardest that you have. And also, because of my mercy, I'm going to give people final opportunity as hard as it gets to repent. Uh, it's going to be getting so hard to where people will kill each other, only family members will kill each other, murder each other. And Yah is saying, okay, in my justice, I'm giving you opportunity to repent, to really see, is there anybody left that's going to seek this faith, that's going to seek me with all their heart? And then when Abba looks out and says, okay, there's no more people that are seeking with all their heart to find this truth, Yeshua, my son, it's time to return. And that makes sense because when he returns, and you had mentioned Phil Revelation, that it gives a picture of Yeshua as the conquering king on the white horse. And he's coming in as a conquering king with the armies of heaven to establish his kingdom here on earth for the thousand year reign. 
and that's the order that it goes just to bring some clarification to this. So you have the tribulation period. And then when Messiah returns, that brings about the thousand year reign. The thousand year reign goes on. Then at the end of the thousand year reign, we have the great white throne judgment, which is at the end. That's when the dead, all the dead come out and stand before Yeshua because it says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Yeshua Messiah is Lord to the glory of God the Father because that's the great white throne judgment. Those that are that are wicked, that practice lawlessness, will be ushered into the abyss. Those that were righteous will go into the kingdom of heaven. Then we have where everything, all things become new, the new Jerusalem, all those things. So that's the order of it. And the scripture that I actually looked up earlier, and you may have it, is it was Revelation 20. And it actually talks about this. And it says, this is Revelation chapter 20. And it says, and I saw an angel coming down out of heaven having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who was the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked it and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. And Phil, I found this interesting. He says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I don't know if you remember this, Paul made a statement that, do you re- do you not realize that you would judge angels? And it just came to mind that, that seating on those thrones, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Yeshua and because of the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. And I remember hearing somebody talk about that, the people that were beheaded. Well, those are the people that during the tribulation were beheaded because Messiah hadn't returned yet. That's why they're able to rule and reign with him, because if he would have returned already, because that's the way I've had it presented was that he would return and take the church out, and then those people that were left still had opportunity to have faith, and then they were beheaded. But that makes no sense because we know by faith that they wouldn't be allowed to rule and reign and come to life with Messiah. They found faith during the tribulation, and they were beheaded because it says that during that tribulation that if you don't take the mark of the beast, then you'll be put to death. Well, they were put to death because they had faith in God. Therefore, their souls were at rest. They came back to life. And then it says this, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection, which is that the resurrection when Messiah returns on the clouds. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. And then it talks about when the thousand years were over in the great white throne. But what came to mind with this was it's giving you information and order of how this happens that that's the when he returns he's going to rule for a thousand years and he's going to rule with an iron scepter he's going to rule with the law of god that you're not going to be getting away with what you want to do it's going to be hey look if you don't do this then there's going to be punishment there's you don't have a a choice in this you're going to do it but people will sit there and think well no you know that i'll just be in heaven just waiting well no you're, you're going to be ruling and reigning with him for that time now unless you died before 
the tribulation or any of those things, you'll stay. If you died before, you would stay. Well, those that died without being in Messiah would stay um, in the um, place of torment and just wait till that great white throne judgment to be brought back up for the actual final judgment. Then people will be put into the abyss or, or will go off into the kingdom of heaven. But what I'm really getting from this is that this is, this information that we're talking about is we're going directly from the Bible um, that has the word of God in it that makes these things clear step by step so that you will not be deceived in this and not be wondering around, well, when is Messiah going to return? When's it going to be? How does it work that you can understand and know it? But even more important than that is see God with all your heart to find the fullness of faith locked in so that when this happens, you're, you're just waiting for Messiah's return. And when I say waiting for his return, meaning that you're still being diligent, walking in your faith, but you're not walking around in fear of, oh my gosh, what if he returns today? Or Because Phil, I'm, you've we've heard this, talked about this, that people will just profess, oh, Lord Jesus, please return. Oh God, please return. But the day of the Lord is going to be a day of dread. It's going to be a day of mourning that, people are going to flee to the hills. They're going to run from Yeshua returning because when they see him, they're going to know their guilt. They're going to know that they did not live the right life and they know that they're condemned. And that's not going to be a pleasant day. My thoughts on this, instead of saying, you know, Yeshua, please return is, yeah, have mercy on the people on the earth. They don't know what they're doing. Please give every opportunity for people to come to faith, to seek with all their heart. If there's even one righteous Lord, don't come back until there's none that are righteous left because you saying something like that, a lot of people will say that for a selfish perspective that, well, I just want to Yeshua to return so I can stop all the suffering and things. But, you know, make sure that we're not necessarily asking for Yah to return, but to say, Yah, give people every opportunity to seek with all their heart, to have the opportunity to have the fullness of faith and when it is your timing, you'll know, and it'll be the proper time to return. But this is just one of those teachings that there's just so many, so many people out there that think they know it. And don't go to people that think they know it. Go to the Word of God and really look at it and come to an understanding based in the truth of it to where it makes sense and it goes along with the truth of God. Then believe that and rest your hope on that. But as you had said correctly, that there is no being taken out and then the tribulation and then brought back and all these different things. It's confusing. It, it makes sense that find your place to be holy in that place of being blameless before God. And then you'll go and rest. And it says, as it says in Daniel, that Daniel, you will go, you will rest. And then you will rise for your allotted inheritance. You'll the allotted inheritance is, you're sharing the kingdom of eternal life and just encourage those out there that these subjects like this, be willing to put things on the shelf side, which you think, you know, about something and just listen to what the word of God says about it. And Paul, I uh, speaking in Thessalonians about these times, this kind of, piggybacks on what the last podcast was when we talked about death 
And I just found it interesting, came across this scripture. Uh, and this is in the midst of him talking to the Thessalonians. <clears throat> he talks about living to please God. And then he's going to talk about believers who have died. Then he goes into the day of the Lord. And brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. <clears throat> and so the reason we don't mourn like others who don't have faith is because if you die, Sean, I know I'm going to see you again. What sadness does there need to be? If I truly have that hope and hope is uh, not meant to be like a wish where wish is, well, I'd really like to have this, but I might or might not get it. But hope is, no, I'm going to have this. It's a locked-in solid, no wavering, knowing your salvation to where you won't question it. But you got to be careful because people will sear themselves as though searing themselves with a hot iron to act a similar way but they've seared themselves and they haven't really walked the appropriate path. But the, the mourning aspect is because we believe what God says is going to take place. And that is that Messiah is going to return. And when he returns, he's taking us with, with him. So what do I need to worry about? What does it matter? What suffering and struggle? Because in essence, The tribulation, yes, there's going to be a time laid out in tribulation when we're going to have those that time frame of tribulation that's going to be greater than what has faced man on the earth in the past and will not be anything greater than that forward as far as the tribulation of the saints <clears throat> that are going to endure it. But if you're going to have faith in this world and you're going to be holy as God is holy, then you're already going to be in tribulation. Now, is it going to be what they refer to as the great tribulation? No, but it's still going to be tribulation. That's what the trials and what, what are the trials for? They're there to, so that we can prove our obedience to God. And in that time of the tribulation, when uh, the word talks about the mark of the beast, well, if everybody who's here is on the enemy's side anyway? Why do we talk about a mark of the beast? And why is it talked about that 
uh, they're going to send an angel out to mark the foreheads of the saints. That it wouldn't be in there if the saints weren't going to go through that tribulation period. And the mark on the forehead is not necessarily going to be like a tattoo mark, but it's going to be, you're going to have to have the mindset and the attitude of like God gave to Jeremiah. So I'm going to make your forehead like flint stone so that it's going to be hard because you're going to need to have that hardness of, and and that hardness is not a uh, meanness. It's just a steadfast, solid, this is what I'm doing, and I will not turn back from it. God made those statements. This is what I'm going to do, and I will not repent of it. I will not change of it. That's the kind of attitude and mindset that in hope we have that gives us the ability to endure any type of tribulation because people don't like what we're doing. And if I ask somebody, do you sin? And they they say yes, and then they ask me and I say no, then they want to be upset with me because I say no and call me a liar because, well, you're not, well, that's part of the faith journey that we're going to encounter people like that. And a lot of times it's going to be your own flesh and blood. The, the people that that you grew up with, the people, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, those are the ones that they don't want to hear what you have to say. And so when we look at this aspect, Messiah is only coming once. He, he, or, or he's coming back one time and that's it once he returns there is no more there's not going to be any more decisions for faith and if all the saints are taken up then what is the purpose of the well they wouldn't even be here the two that are preaching at the wailing wall during that time of tribulation that the ones that have the ability for fire to come from their mouth, well, in that time frame, there's a chance for some to still come to faith. But if the saints aren't going to be here, well, neither are they because they're the saints that are preaching. And uh, we believe those two uh, teachers at the Welling Wall will be uh, Enoch and Elijah, the two that were taken away and were no more in this physical life, uh, God holding them for this time where they will have to experience a physical death eventually, but they would not be here because that's uh, in Revelation, that's speaking about a time of tribulation. And so that's just another little piece that lets you know that there's going to be saints here during that time. And you're going to, uh, we want to make sure people understand. And the reason we want them to understand this is because we want them to know that this faith journey is not easy. And if you happen 
to be alive during that time of tribulation, it's not going to be easy. And Messiah's own words said that in those days, many will turn from the faith. Many will commit that unforgivable sin, the blasphemy of what is spoken of in Hebrews. They're going to commit that sin. His own words. In those days, many will abandon the faith. They will become lovers of self. And so this is why even in this day, okay, and I do not believe right now that we are in the great tribulation, though we have trials and tribulation. I don't believe we're in the great tribulation. But what I know is in this time that we're in, for you to carry out this faith and for you to profess this faith to others and let them know, and really just for you to live like Messiah did, People aren't going to like it, and they're going to come after you, and they're going to come at you, and you have to have the mindset, I don't care what people think. Not a hateful perspective, but a matter of fact, I've set my mind on the things of God, and I will not repent of it. I will not turn away from God. I don't care who comes to me. It could be my wife. It could be my child. It could be my job. It doesn't matter what it is. If I'm going to lose my house, my car, my money, even my own life. What's that to me? Just like Job, naked I came into this world, naked I will leave. Y'all's the one that we need to praise the name of. Who am I? And me having the secure hope of salvation, death does not scare me at all. I have no fear of death because I know my faith. I know the existence of God. I know who they are. Now, do I know them fully yet? No, because I'm still in this body of flesh, and but I'm learning more and more as I go. And the thing that sticks out to me in this moment of the utmost importance for people is do what Messiah said. Weigh the cost before you decide to just, don't just accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Boom. You had an emotional breakdown and you accept him as Lord and Savior and it's done because there's so much more to it that you're going to have to struggle through and suffer through. And most people end up blaming God instead of realizing that they just didn't have the determination and the grit they needed to finish the task. Don't quit. That's got to be the mindset that whatever I do, I do for God and God alone. And in that process, anybody else's that is for God will benefit from it. Anybody who's not for God, then you're not going to like it because it's going to convict you and convince you of things that you are doing wrong. And people have been spending their whole lives suppressing things so that they don't have to faith, face their impending doom in the abyss. 
And like I said, the, the thing that just kind of resonates in my mind right now is the importance of weighing the cost, the importance of don't be following what Christianity says, follow what the word of God says, live your life like Messiah did. And if they killed Messiah, there's a good chance they'll kill you. They, they persecuted Messiah. We've been persecuted. But the best thing for us to do is do what the word says. And if we're being treated unfairly uh, for because we do what is right according to God, then that's commendable before God. You know, why not rather be wronged? That's the beauty part is I don't have to make it known that I'm right and you're wrong. If God wants it made known, it'll be made known. And if not before the end, at the white throne judgment, it'll be made known. I'd rather you figure it out now so you don't have to get to that point. And too many people have no idea, no clue, because God has been so softened that people, and not God, you're not able to soften God, but in their minds, God is just a marshmallow that you can squeeze and shape and form it any shape that you want it to be. And it feels good. It's sweet. Oh, it's just so fluffy. And, and it's like people are not being taught the terror of God so that they can fear God and then become God's friend. You seeing God as a fluffy marshmallow, like the stay puff marshmallow man. That's not who God is. God is a terror. And the only way that you're going to get there is through grit and determination and setting your mind that I'm doing whatever God wants. I don't care what man thinks. If it costs me my life, then it costs me my life. It can't cost me my salvation. It can only cost me my physical life here. Man can uh, destroy this body, but that would just be doing me a favor because they can't destroy my soul, my mind, my heart, and my soul, which are the three things of this human condition that are going to go and be with Yah in the end. And so I just want to encourage people that when they listen to the podcast to know that we don't want to make this seem like it's just a simple, easy, as easy as accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and everything's good. Because if you happen to be around during the tribulation, you're going to need such a solid, immovable, uh, mindset and attitude in order that you're not one who turns from the faith and you have to build that in your mind now so that when that kind of time comes, you're prepared for it. But if you don't see God as a terror, you're going to, and we don't want people to see God as a terror in the end. We'd rather you see God as a terror when you have an opportunity 
then after that to fear Yah and then become their friend so that when you're their friend, then they have nothing against you and they have no reason to terrorize you. But those who were not friends of God, unfortunately, they're going to be terrorized. And well, I say unfortunately, unfortunately for them. But the reality is you have a choice. You have a choice this day. Choose this day whom you will serve. If you don't choose today, odds are you're not going to choose tomorrow. So get it done today, but know that it's not easy. And for you to stay the course, you have to be uh, full of grit and determination and steadfast, solid, full commitment with no turning back. Just make sure that it's locked in truth and not the lies of men that perceive and give you delusions to what truth is. The word doesn't say tomorrow is the day of salvation. It says today, meaning that if it's on your mind, make that decision to seek with all your heart because you're not guaranteed another moment and you let it go past. You procrastinate and then you put it off and put it off. Something else will come up and, just like it says that Yah prepared a great wedding banquet and invited people to come. And then one was invited. Nope. I don't have time. I got to go home and do this and I can't come and I can't go and now go into all the streets and get people in. And then at the end, Hey, you're not wearing your wedding garment. How did you get in here? Throw them on the outside where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So find you find the holiness, which is circumcision of the heart that you have. And you, you said it that you wear white that of the righteous deeds of the saints that they will wear white with Messiah. I, I was flipping through the Bible here and came across this. This is the second letter to the Thessalonians. And it talks about the return of Messiah. And just, we get, I latched on to something you said that there's little nuggets around and it is, it's, you'll find little pieces of this puzzle. And then what we do is we start piecing the puzzle pieces together to get this picture. And here's another piece. This is Second Thessalonians chapter 1, start at verse 3, and it says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you were enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Yeshua is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Yeshua. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. And just made me think of, okay, so he's coming to punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. Well, the, obeying the gospel means that you will walk in it. 
and you will find the place of circumcision of the heart where you have the fullness of faith and you will continue to obey God and you will know God because mother will come within your heart to where you can know God. You can know Abba, Yeshua, and Ema and continually walking in it. But people think, and even says just in the days of Noah is when the son of man's coming, people will be eating and drinking just like then, not thinking anything's going to happen. Everything is merry. Everything is great. And then just like a thief in the night, death will come. And then all of a sudden, you're you die and you have no other chance at that point you either go to the place of rest or the place of torment and this is a warning to everybody the talking about the second coming of yeshua is to understand yes this is the order of how it works but the even deeper aspect is the gospel message is to make sure that you are seeking with all your heart you find a place of repentance and obedience and trust and continually grow in that because that is making sure that your calling and election is sure and you continue it and increase and you will receive as in peter it says you will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of yah so this is just to give greater understanding of the what's being out there is stop listening to what other people are saying just because you think what they say sounds good or it, it seems like it lines up go to the word of god seek it out ask god for help in it and make sure that what you're believing in is lining up with the truth of god and what sense does it make for Yah, and we had mentioned this before, for Yeshua to come back a third time? Because it says that when he comes in the clouds that everybody will see him. Everybody sees him. He goes back. Who would be left to come for? And even then, faith is already gone. Therefore, you don't have any further opportunity to have faith in him because he's already come. So even if he came back another time anyway, it wouldn't matter. Because faith in him is done with because you know him now. You know that he exists, he's there, and now it's judgment for you because of your sin. You didn't get away from sin, so now you're facing the Son of God, and you can't escape. And what stood out to me with it was, it says it'll be a, a day of great mourning. And people will mourn because they're going to know that they were selfish. They're going to know that they had every opportunity, and it was their fault that they didn't come to the knowledge of truth and therefore they're going to mourn realizing that I could have had this and I did this to myself and now I have no way of escape that this is set. There's not a thing I can do about it. So I urge those listening in out there that don't delay the decision to seek with all your heart, start the journey of seeking with all your heart because that will lock in. If you don't turn from it, you will find the fullness of faith. You will have the hope of salvation. And when Yeshua returns, he will be returning for you to be one of his children, as it mentions that Messiah had come. And for those that the father had given to him and mother as well, those that are referred to as children of God, those that are walking as he did, those that have found the place to be without sin because of circumcision of the heart. So this isn't just to gain more understanding of the truth of God and the actual principles of when the return is, is make sure that you're ready for his return, that you're not caught off guard and that it doesn't come like a thief in the night for you, that you prepare your house and that you would know and be ready so that when he returns, that he'll say, well done, that you found the place of no sin, walking in obedience. Very good. That That's what we, that we were hoping for is what we're looking for. So find that so that you're not stuck mourning and being left thinking that you're going to be taken up in the air when the saints are taken and you're left. And 
your love goes cold. And then, so it's just go through the suffering, the suffering and the struggle now so that you can have the paradise later. What people do now is they want to have this easy life, want everything to be easy, everything to be taken care of. And then you're going to have eternal torment for eternity. And the word of God makes it clear that you're either going to be in one of two places. You're going to be in the abyss where it's going to be uh, fire forever. Or you're going to be in the kingdom of God and people can say that hell doesn't exist, but the word of God says it. And so there's just so many teachings out there. So many people that think that they know the truth. And the, the thing is that anything that we don't know, we will say, but this with what we're talking about is true from the word of God but it is for each person to go and actually find that and discover it for themselves. And you'll be able to understand it just like we understand it. And if aspect of bringing up the delusion again, I had seen this in Thessalonians as well. And this doesn't just speak to the tribulation, but what's happening even now in this day and age that just Second uh, Thessalonians 2.10 and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. And when we talk about delusion, it's so interesting because when you're delusional, you don't know you are. That's a fact because your delusions are in your subconscious. They're things that you've been programmed to believe because you accepted those things. And so you have this strong delusion, even and a delusion is an aspect that even if I put the absolute proof in front of you, you won't believe it. You'll still believe what you've always believed or what you've always been programmed to unless you decide you're going to be open-minded and you're going to look into these things and really evaluate when you hear something and immediately you're like, you're, you're like, well, that's not right. Right there is a sign of delusion. It's not a sign of open-mindedness. Well, let me evaluate that. Or, no, I, I've evaluated that in the past, and the Word of God says it says this about that, and over here it says this, and so I recognize that that's not appropriate. But to just take something and somebody brings something out and you're like, nope, that's wrong. You're living within a delusion and you don't even realize it. And that's the thing. Delusions are not intentional. Now, how you get deluded, you intentionally rejected the truth of God. So God turns you over to the delusion so that you'll believe the lie. That's not just in the time of the tribulation, that's happening right now. When Christianity professes in their delusion that they're saved and 
yet they sin, and I can open up their Bible, and I can show them where their Bible says, in him there is no sin. Those who claim to be in Messiah must walk as he did. No sinner will inherit the kingdom of God, but yet they still continue to believe the lie. Why? Because they're deluded. They haven't accepted the truth. And this was spoken spoken of in Romans when Paul spoke about the aspect of uh, because they rejected, because they uh, chose not to acknowledge God, then God turned them over to a depraved mind to do things that ought not be done. And the only way you can get back from that is for you to seek God with all of your heart, find them, repent, make a change in your life, and then you have the ability to be right with them. But too many people are living a delusion where, honestly, I can show you things in the Bible where what you're professing as a Christian is not right and it's not appropriate, but because of your programming and what you've been taught in your life, you're not going to see the delusion because it's a delusion. That's the the whole thing is that you don't see, you don't recognize you're delusional until you start to evaluate things and you're like, wait a minute. Well, I've been told this my whole life and that's not right. No, it's not. And if Messiah spoke about false teachers and false prophets, and Paul spoke about false teachers and false prophets in their day, how much more in our day, false teachers. And I'm not going to call any of them out rather than to say, let the word of God, let the original testament of God, and then the uh, description of the renewed covenant, let that be what proves them wrong. Because if they teach something that doesn't line up with the Bible, or they try to teach you that you're supposed to do something that you can clearly see that they're not able to do, then they're a false teacher. Because how can I teach you about an issue if I don't know about it myself? You don't go to the dentist who has no teeth in his mouth. Go to the doctor who's walking around with a uh, open cut and maggots all over his arm. You, you don't go to the rocket scientist to figure out how to plant a garden. It, there's, you go to the people that you know know about these things. And in our case, we went to Abba. We went to Abba first, and then we went to Messiah, and then we went to Mother, and now we get the opportunity to listen to all of them and all this information we bring out, it's not ours. It's not our truth, but the beauty part about truth is it stands on its own. I don't have to defend it. If somebody, if I speak truth and somebody argues with it, I don't have to speak it again. The truth stands by itself. 
the fact that you have to argue it, you prove that you're wrong. Too many people, because they suppress the truth of God, because it convicts them, it makes them feel uncomfortable, it puts them in a position where they know they have to change, and they don't want to change. And so you suppress the truth of God, and because you they've suppressed the truth of God, they've been turned over to a depraved mind to do things that ought not be done, to teach things as though they're true, but they're not, to speak about things that are true by reading what the Bible says to somebody, but you not applying them yourself. Like Messiah said to the Pharisees, you teach people do not steal. Do you steal? If you're teaching somebody do not steal, then you better not be stealing because that means you don't know how to get away from it. So there's just a lot of uh, information and stuff that's involved in the truth of God. And the truth of God gets twisted because people want it to feel good. And I can't make it feel good for you. The, the only feel good that you're going to get is when you have circumcision of the heart and you have the good feeling of the hope of salvation, the true reality of Yah and you know that you're locked in, then there's a, there's a comfort because you're walking as Messiah did. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Uh, but this whole aspect of what we're talking about, about Messiah's return, it's been mistaught, uh, leading people to think various different ways and shame on them for listening to it and agreeing with it because it sounded good instead of what you're saying goes against what the Bible's saying. I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm not going to do it because that's, that's what's necessary is for you to find, how do you know what morality is? There has to be a governing authority over morality in order for morality to be morality. You can't just have humankind deciding what's moral because they don't have the perfection to be able to set that standard. But God does. Well, it's the same thing with truth. You want to know what truth is, you got to go to the one who knows the truth, and that's Yah. And you have to ask them for clarification. And when something doesn't seem right, you know what? just not sure about this. Well, let me dig into it. Let me figure it out so that I can uh, walk and do the best that I can in this faith journey for Yah, because that's what my objective and directive is. And when you see these things, you will also see the false teachings and the things that you'll hear somebody talk about how the church is going to be raptured out before the tribulation. And you'll, you'll say, no, that's not what was said. Messiah himself spoke about this in chapter 24. He doesn't talk about, I'm coming back to get the, uh, the elect and then we're going to go away and then we're going to come back later on. And no, 
there's, there's once he comes in on the cloud, faith is removed. Now it's time for the uh, the things to move on and move in that direction of the thousand year reign, and then we face the judgment, and then we get our entrance into the kingdom. You had talked about this a few times that you enjoy doing puzzles and all of this we're talking about, it's getting the pieces of the puzzle and having Yah help you to connect the pieces so that you can see the details and you can see the big picture of this. This is all around all, piecing this together. You have Matthew 24, you have the writing in first Thessalonians, second Thessalonians, you have Daniel where it talks about Daniel goes into detail about this. You have aspects in the book of Revelation, and it's all to piece it together so that you can discover it because the discovery comes when you piece it together with Yah's help to where you'll say, oh, I didn't see that. That makes sense because this piece connects here and here and here, and it goes over here, and that's why this, and that's why that. And that's what you get with having the relationship with Yah where you seek with all your heart because it's not somebody telling you and you get it, it's when you piece it together and you get that light bulb moment of discovery of, oh, that's what it means. I didn't recognize that. I understand that now to where you have, you gain knowledge of it so you can go deeper into it. And I had this thought, Phil, with this, with what was talked about with Messiah and his words about when you see standing in the temple, the abomination that causes desolation flee to the hills and made me think of what is the abomination that causes desolation? It's the one that claims to be God and claims to have the truth. And think about what we have now with all the different churches and denominations of people claiming this is the truth of God. This is the truth. And it's an abomination to God to be sitting there preaching that you accept the son as Lord and savior and you're okay to sin. That's an abomination to God because God is holy. And in God is no darkness at all. Don't preach that the son of God is okay with you sinning and asking for forgiveness and using his blood to cover you when his blood was shed once for sin so that in him you could do away with sin in your heart. It's an abomination. And it made me think of start a church, get away, get to the hills, get away from this aspect, flee to the hills, get away from this way of Christianity, which you thought was the right way. It isn't, it doesn't have the truth flee from it. Because, it, because I can see this as a metaphor of, oh, okay, well, I'm waiting for a person to be standing in this temple. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen, but think about it. When you see someone standing in the temple of God saying that that I'm God and this is the truth and, and this is it, and it's like, don't listen to it, get away from it. So we're already being able to see things spiritually of what he was talking about because you can easily get into the delusion of, well, until I actually see this person standing in the temple in Israel that I'm not. No, but like you said, what is this lesson from the fig tree? When you see the leaves coming on, you know that summer is near, that the sign of the times is now when you see that tree, it's time, just like you said, like when the carcass is around, the vultures come to the carcass, like that showing like the son of man returns, you're going to be brought up just like I'm giving you these pictures so that you can see clearly and he had just started the church in his ministry on earth. And he's already talking about people that are going to be false teachers. So think about it now. If Messiah was here saying, well, the signs are here. Look at the message. They're not, they're, they're talking about things that I did, but they're not 
preaching it the way that it needs to be done so that you get away from sin. That's not what I did. I did this or that. And just the signs are there. It is, I'm, I'm seeing as we are in the beginning of birth pains because there are wars and rumors of wars, but we're not at the point where it's near the end, but there's the signs of the times that you're seeing the lawlessness. And we even were talking about recently that you see the big movement with the pride movement with all that agenda. But then the word of God says pride comes before the fall. Well, you continue in sin like that. Your sin will find you out. There will be a great fall for those that don't repent. So the signs are all around of Messiah's return, but I'm seeing it as we're not just saying, God, just come back and get rid of all. No. Yeah. Have mercy on these people. They don't know what they're doing. Please give time so that even one righteous person could find this faith, give people opportunity because once Messiah returns, there is no more opportunity for people. And that's not the best for people. The best for people is to have opportunity to come to this. And there are people that are going to come to it. And so this isn't like saying that well, nobody else is going to come to it, but the, the, the way that the society is going and as worse as it's getting, it's going to be harder and harder if people don't make the decision to seek with all their heart, because the more they linger and delay, then it's just going to be that much harder because the coddling gets worse and the entitlement gets worse. And then it's going to be not impossible, but it will be harder for people to find it if you don't have that steadfastness that you're going to do it and make it today that I'm going to do it starting today and then go after it. And it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. And in Messiah's letters to the churches in Revelation, there is one of the churches that wasn't going to have to endure the tribulation, but that wasn't all of them. No, it, it was just, it was one, and more than likely speaking to what they referred to as a church age um, that they're going to pass on before that time anyway, so they're not going to have to have that experience. But here's the thing that people need to know the most uh, about how do we understand what we understand from the Bible and how can you do that? He, having the author in your heart is the key having mother in your heart because the the bible like i'll I'll take revelation for instance revelation is a mix between the physical lit, the the literal figurative metaphorical and spiritual perspectives and you have to have mother in your heart to give you some semblance of guidance within it because otherwise you're not you're not capable of understanding it and too many people they profess they know god but they don't even know the spirit to be female and they don't know the things of god and so when we look at say revelation okay revelation is also in layers and you just spoke to this because that aspect in revelation where it talks about the abomination that causes desolation when you see this flee well is that not what we did from christianity when we saw 
that they were not acting and, and teaching in accordance with the truth of God and Messiah's words himself. That when you see that abomination, flee from it. And so this, this is a message out to anybody who's seeking with all of your heart. When you're seeing these things that are taking place that you know aren't right, don't accept it. Don't, don't cave to it. Flee from it. Don't go back in and get your coat, your coat or your cloak or whatever you have, you left behind, leave it there. That's in essence, that's what we've done with Christianity, not from a hateful perspective, but the fact that we see that what's being taught is their perception of the Jesus that they teach is that they're teaching the son of God, but what they're teaching doesn't line up with Yeshua Messiah, the true son of God. He will not allow you to continue to sin. Uh, It's an impossibility for you to be in faith and still continue to sin. Now you can be on the journey of faith and sin until you have the fullness of faith, and then you won't sin. But these are things that the, the Bible itself says. And as you look at, you can look at stories in the original covenant that God gave us. And it speaks to us now. It doesn't just speak to them back in that day. No, it was God layered it so that it speaks to them back then. And it speaks, it's, it's what we would call timeless because it's intended for all time. And it's, you must walk through it in the obedience of it in order to be able to prove to God that you believe them and you believe in them to be able to repent. And so when you look at some of these things, you know, the Bible talks about the tribulation. Well, we're going to go through tribulation. We already have, and we will continue to go through tribulation. And we've seen an abomination that causes desolation that is spoken about that's going to happen in the end. Now that's going to be in the, uh, the temple when it's finally rebuilt, but it's happening in places that people call temples here, they call them churches. And you're having these abominations that cause desolation because the teaching that they're teaching in these gatherings are leading people to a desolate place because it's not the truth of God. And our heart is for those who are in Christianity to say, Look at these things and see them and then flee from it. Get away from it because it's not beneficial for you to continue to sit there and believe the lie or let them convince you of something that is not true. So we have uh, false prophets that is spoken about for the time of revelation, for the time of the end. But we have false prophets now. We had false prophets back when... Messiah was, uh, when he departed, we had false prophets. Paul spoke about false prophets. So these things that we see are also layered in, within and throughout your faith journey that even if you don't, you aren't in what they call the great tribulation you're going to experience to some scale what's going to take place in the tribulation. It's, and this is why 
it takes that grit and determination, and not just for the Great Tribulation, but for this day and age. You have to be hard-headed and steadfast and not care what other people think about you, not hate them, not despise them. Just don't care. Care what God thinks about you because God is the one that matters. And then if people hate you, what's that to you anyway? You're going to have that uh, that beautiful place in the kingdom of God and no harm, no foul. But there's just so many different ways that mother can go with any topic that we talk about. Um, but I, I just see serious things like the, the scriptures being layered so that you're in your life, you're going to experience revelation in a faith journey. Now, are you going to experience it at the level that it's going to be at of corruption at that time? Not necessarily, but you're still going to have it. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have all the things that lays out and your best bet is to make sure that what you're following is truth. And truth can be explained logically. It's clear. And if you know it's true, then you can carry it out. I tell you that you cannot sin. I can tell you how you can get to that place of not sinning. But you have to have the steadfast mindset and walk to be able to de- deny not not only everybody else, <clears throat> but deny yourself as well. I actually had it turned to this. You were talking about the letters to the churches, and I glanced down and, and saw this. And just another one of those puzzle pieces about the tribulation period and who's going to be here, who's not. And it says this. This is to the church. You had mentioned the one that would not be in that great tribulation. And I, I just looked down, it was the church in Philadelphia. And it says, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And as I was sitting here, I had this thought come to mind, and I had not looked into this and just wondered what it could be. And I'll I'll just share the thought that came to mind on this. When it talks about in Daniel that when you see in that temple the abomination that causes desolation, it may come to mind where Paul was writing and talking about the, the Jewish people, and he says, has God forgotten his people? That he said, so that the 
the fullness of the Gentiles would come in, that there was a hardening for the people, uh, Israel. And it made me think of, is it possible? And like we said, that and not professing of absolute truth, but this, this, this has popped in my mind. It makes sense that this, where it talks about the 144,000 of the tribes of Israel, is it possible that when the people of the Jewish people seeing that temple claiming to be God, how it's a desolation, that that's where people's eyes are open to where they see and understand that, oh my gosh, that we killed the Messiah and we were wrong in this. And then out of that come people could possibly be the ones that are sealed, the 144,000 out of the tribes of Israel that have their eyes open to where the veil was taken away to where they can now see that I didn't realize that we've been we've been all about the law and not about, it's about the sun and it's about now we see. And now just one of those where I just, I hadn't been thinking about that because it mentions the tribes of Israel and where do those people come from? Just a, I hadn't just was sitting here thinking about that. Just is that you know, very possible that that's exactly what it could be or people that come out of the tribulation that were of that descent like Paul, but actually came to faith in Messiah that, of that of those tribes this many people were actually had circumcision of the heart out of this amount so it just made me think of there's so many layers to this even the veil that says is over the old covenant the new the um, original covenant that only in messiah is it taken away to where you can now in him you can start to see the layer of the first covenant you can now see the spiritual in it because the veil has been pulled back and now you can see into it through discernment of do you see where Noah and Moses and Joshua, how it's a picture of Messiah, how it's a picture of salvation, how it's, but you're not able to see that until the veil is lifted for you to see it. What's interesting is that now is the time of salvation for Gentile believers. Though there will be some here during the tribulation, the tribulation within itself is a designed perspective for the Jewish nation, for the Jews to have salvation because it's at the beginning of it when the abomination that causes desolation, which is then when God's opening up their eyes to see and then when they open her, he opens their eyes to see, then the, the Jewish people will have the greatest ability for salvation uh, because the full number, because God was waiting for the Jews until the full number of the Gentiles had been in. So somewhere around at the point of the beginning of the tribulation, then that will be that, yes, there will be Gentile believers here or people who were Gentiles that are believers uh, that are of the uh, nation of God from the Jewish perspective, but then, <clears throat> or from the spiritual perspective. But then once the fullness of the Gentiles have been let in, that's when God's going to have that aspect happen with the abomination that causes desolation, which then opens the door for a multitude of uh, Hebrews. And I'm not saying that... Uh, Israel, for somebody from Israel, can't find faith in God now. But that time is going to be for them specifically 
uh, so that when they see the abomination, then hopefully that will open their eyes and they will be able to flee to the mountains and they will be able to get away from the uh, wickedness that people are doing and live their lives in appropriation with the truth of God. And I wonder if that could be because they're wanting to start the sacrificial system of animals and the one that comes in that says, no, we're not doing this to where, what do you mean you're stopping the sacrifice to where it'll be like a, you know, we've got the, this ready to go. We've got the temple built and then you're coming in desecrating it saying that this isn't going to be done or whatever that I could see that as being, wait a minute, that's the way of Moses. What are you doing stopping it to where, oh my gosh, you know, the, to something that would open their eyes to say, what are you doing? You can't claim to be God. You're cause what is it? They don't mention with Yahweh. They won't say the name because it's so sacred. And I could see the enemy coming in and saying, I'm the name. And it's like, well, you're not supposed to say that name. It's sacred. Who are you to say that you're God? And then that's what gets them into a, a frenzy. That is very possible. Well, I would say it probably from the perspective of the fact that sacrifices are going to be offered, but those sacrifices will be like, completely blemished kind of the the reason messiah cleared the temple because they they made it a marketplace and again was that not an abomination to him and then that abomination for the people who were i uh, taking part of that leads them to a desolate place so there, there's an abomination that causes desolation where well, you're you're you've turned my father's house into a den of robbers and that's not appropriate. It's just, it's, it's interesting because you can see it throughout the word and whatever it is, it's going to be, this is what I do know. It's going to be evident enough that it's going to be a shock to the Jewish people about the one who's in that temple probably acting as the high priest and whatever he does, that's going to be uh, evident to them. And that's why they will see it as an abomination, whether it's the, they're not going to let them sacrifice or they're going to sacrifice by only blemished uh, animals and whatever it is, because that time of tribulation is not for us as Gentiles, it's for them as the Jewish nation of God to have the last opportunity to enter in because they rejected it at first, so the first will be last and the last will be first because it was intended for them first and then for us last, but because they rejected it, then the door was open for us first and then it will be them last, so that time period will definitely be for saints that'll be here, but the objective goal is going to be for the uh, conversion of many from the Jewish uh, from the Jewish nation from Israel that will be saved in that time frame because they will turn and repent to God as they as generations of Israelites have done I uh, over time, they, they've 
turned from God and then the next generation comes in and they lived right and they repented to God. And then later on others did things. <clears throat> and so it's just uh, interesting to see that as well. But to understand even what's in the Bible, you've got to find that place of circumcision of the heart where mother enters into your heart. And now you have access, full access to the author of the book. And when the author of the book tells you what it's about, then you know exactly what it's about. And when other people try to distort it or twist it, you don't listen to it. You don't care about what they're saying because, no, I've gotten it from the source and you can't tell me otherwise. And anything that comes from God, it makes perfect sense. And it's logical, sensible, and understandable when you have faith in them, when you turn your life over to them to not lean on your understanding, but to lean on their understanding as well. Have this as well with the abomination that causes desolation. Think about you attempting to get into the kingdom of God and you stand before Yeshua and Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name and get away from me? I never knew you. You practice lawlessness because you coming into the kingdom with a sin with sin is an abomination and it causes desolation to where you need to get away from me because you're not bringing sin anywhere near the kingdom. And that's why when he charged the people to get the money changers and all that out of the temple, that make sure that in order for mother to live in your heart, the temple has got to be clean. So in your heart, you've got to have sin removed so that, because if not, no, I'm not going to dwell here because it's an abomination. All of this stuff is just so many layers to it. It's got so much detail. And just to verify once again, that this information we've been given by revelation from Yah. And if you want to be able to understand it, as was spoken, the best place to be, is circumcision of the heart where you'll have mother within your heart as the author that knows the mind of God, that knows the information to be able to teach you these things and to be able to piece it together. And once you know the truth, you're not going to be able to unknow it. So once you know the truth of something, you're not going to be able to be convinced otherwise because you know it. And you had said before that we don't defend because the truth stands on its own. It doesn't need any defending. Because defending means I need to protect it. No, you don't need to protect it. it. It stands on its own. It will be able to speak for itself and stand above all things. Because when you know something, you'll speak confidently, boldly. And the other person that doesn't know is the one that's going to cower and go away on that. And interesting how this goes back to what we just talked about with the death and dying, that when you are in Messiah, that you fall asleep, that yes, you shed this body of flesh, but you don't have the spiritual death. You have, because you've given your life for God, then you get to take it back. You don't lose your life. You don't lose your soul. You get to be with them eternal. And these things are important to know. And that's why the disciples wanted to know, we're following you. We're believing in you. Tell us when these things will be. Tell us when these things will happen so that we can be prepared. And y'all wants people to be prepared because the, the worst thing you can have is the thinking that you have something and it gets taken away and you not seeing it like the delusion 
that that's the worst thing when you don't see it and you think you have it and it's taken from you. That's why people, even before the son of God would, would just cry out, please no Lord, because you didn't see it. And it's such a shock that hope deferred and it's, it's going to be snatched away from you. And that feeling of hopelessness and desolateness is you can get away from that, but you've got to find faith in God in order to do that. Parable of the 10 virgins. Yeah. I'm not going to give you any my oil because then I'm not going to be prepared. And then you go and what happens, you go away. And when you don't expect it, he comes. And like he says, I'm the one that opens and nobody can shut and shut that nobody. Well, yeah, I'll talk to God and they'll open the door. No, the door is shut. Just like Noah's Ark, when Noah and his family, the door was shut. So when Messiah returns, the door is shut. And Yah is not going to be you know, hornswoggling into, hey, change your mind. No, somebody that's been patient for thousands of years and has been steadfast is not going to change their mind. And they're not going to relent from it. So you change your mind because Yah's already, whatever they've said in their mind, they're not changing it. So it's going to continue forever. Phil, is there anything else you'd like to add? I say that's, we've had a good conversation. Um, can kind of wrap it up unless there's anything, a lot of information there, a lot to chew on. No, I, only thing I would say, I would say to people that if you listen to these podcasts and they speak to you, just, I uh, share it on your social media page and I uh, then continue to seek God with all of your heart. And I'll leave it with this is that the day of the Lord, people are thinking that the day of the Lord will be a, a day of celebration and joy, but it says that the day of the Lord is a day of dread and it's a day of mourning. And the reason for that is because of the teaching that's out there that people are listening to and believing that you didn't find your a place to get away from sin. And because he returns, you're going to know your sin. You're going to know your guilt and people are going to hide from Yeshua returning because they're going to know their condemnation. So find a place where you get away from condemnation and or in Messiah so that you can escape the, the second death. So, and just a reminder that we have a podcast on Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern time, as well as the podcast at 7.30 on Tuesdays. And any questions people may have, any comments you'd like to share and in the future, we could even have on a future podcast. So thank you everybody for listening and just ask that those seeking with all their heart that y'all will show you the way. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.